reached the entertainment hotline, a chatter podcast. Listen as celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle. Chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. Dial 1 for movie stars. Dial 2 for streaming stars. Dial 3 for TV stars. Dial 4 for music stars. Or press 0 to speak with the star of the show herself, Anita. Hello, it's me, Reese Nicholson, a judge on the Stan Original Theory, the RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Entertainment Hotline. I am your host, Anita Annabelle, Head of Entertainment at Media Week and Chatter. Well, it's time to work. The brand new season of Stan original series, RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under, is now streaming only on Stan. Starring RuPaul, Michelle Visage and Reese Nicholson, alongside guest celebrity judges... Season 3 sees 10 swashbuckling new queens battle it out for the title of Down Under's next drag superstar. In this episode, I chatted to Reese Nicholson about the new cast, what it's like to be a queer icon, and how reality TV has changed the way we view celebrities in Australia. The brand new season of the Stan original series, RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under, is now streaming with new episodes Fridays, only on Stan. Here's Reese Nicholson. Hi, I'm Anita. It's so nice to meet you. Oh, are you having the busiest day ever? It's not the worst, like, yes, but, like, no, it's not bad. Like, I just get to walk around and, and, and chit chat. Like, you know, we're doing a bit of wander around, but it's not as bad as it could be. Like, it, it's, it's not, it's, I'm at least promoting something I like and enjoy being part of. I cannot imagine, I'm so lucky to be, like, a comedian that gets to work on fun things and I'm either talking about myself or, like, drag race and I'm not, like, an act. being an actor seems like a nightmare. To have to, like, what if you're in a shit movie? Oh, and you have to pretend? Yeah. Talk about how that movie is and wait 10 years and then say, that was a bad movie. That was not a good movie. <laughs> I'm so glad that you love RuPaul's Drag Race. And I'm so glad you love yourself because you are hilarious. Well, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an, Can amen? I get an amen up in here? <laughs> I am so thrilled to be chatting to you. This is such an exciting season. I have seen the first episode, and by the time this um, episode of the podcast comes out, everyone would have seen the first episode. Um, but I would love you in your words because I'm sure it's going to be entertaining as hell. Give us the elevate, elevator pitch for season three. Okay, so it's called RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. What it is is um, a, t- a tall, a tall, uh, incredibly good-looking man in his sixties who looks convincing, like a twenty-two-year-old woman. Um, it makes people dra- men dressed as women uh, perform. Oh, okay, so season three. I'm joking. Um, season <laughs> is an incredible elevator pitch for Drag Race, though, because I tell you what, I don't want to talk out of school. The man is in his mid-sixties and convincingly looks like in his mid-twenties. Right. And uh, and in real life. And I, I've, I've seen him without a wig and everything on, and I've, I've looked behind his ears. There's, no, there's nothing there. There's no scars. <laughs> so I don't know how he's done. Um, I've really done that. When he was at a drag once, I was literally like, kind of like, oh, we. Um, there's no scars. Um, this season, I really like 
this season a lot. I've liked all of the seasons, obviously. Um, now exclusively on Stan. I, I, I think what has really impressed me about this season is, you know, there's in the two before, there were a few queens in there, whether it be like Art Simone, Karen from Finance, um, Queen Kong, Hannah Conda, these kind of queens that were coming through with a, a bit of history, like a bit of like um, kind of a social media following and they were already a little bit famous and already built up an audience. We don't have that as much this year. There's, I feel like the casting in a on-purpose way is this year it feels more about the kind of artistry involved in drag and there's a, a few um, le- kind of lesser-known queens in there where you, you will get to know them over the course of the show and it's proving that I think this show is like a launch pad for queens. It is not the be-all and end-all for queens. Like you're not doing, you're not working your career to get on Drag Race. Drag Race is there to elevate you. And, yeah, that's what I am excited about with this year is that, yeah, like, you know, as a judge, it's it's more fun as well because I know Art Simone, I know Karen from Finance, I know Queen Kong, I know Hannah Conda, and it's like when they're standing there on stage and maybe they've not had the best week this week and you have to be like, this wasn't great. And it's like, you know, not your best friend in the world, but it feels harsh to, and, you know, so now I could be, what I, but that makes it feel like I'm saying, so now I could be harsh to all these queens and it doesn't matter. Um, no, but it, to to meet them and and watch them blossom over the course of the show was a thrill and not to have them come in there with a, with a heavy expectation of what they have to do and what is possible. I actually love that you say about them blossoming because that's something that I did notice watching the first episode was that, like you said, there are queens that really have one to two three years experience, which is really uncommon for drag race. During a global health crisis. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, there's some kind of pandemic queens in there that like started it. And, but I think it also proves that there's, there's different types of drag. Like, you know, that you don't have to have a tight 20 set. Like, you know, I, I speaking as a stand up comedian, there's a new kind of beginning of comedians that start on TikTok and and like begin that way. And at first you get a little bit threatened by them. You're kind of like, well, what? Like this isn't this isn't comedy. And it is. It's just a new way of doing it. And I think it's the same with particular types of queens that maybe aren't in the clubs every night until 2 a.m. doing a, a tight 20 lip sync number. They're they're like they're you can be a look queen and this is still considered drag. I'm so fascinated by what you've just said about technology changing the face of drag. That is actually something I've never, ever thought of. Well, I would hope my, my hope for drag in the future is like, I don't, I don't know if mass media, at least in our country has worked out yet how to best utilize them. Like I want to see, I want to see Hannah Condor on Taskmaster and I want to see like, do you know, but do you know what I mean? Like, or any of the Queens, but like using them, not as in the same way that in the way that they've been treated for many years of just like, we're having a hen's party. We're going to get a queen, a drag queen to come to the house and do a number for us. It's like, no, these are like professional, very funny, very professional people who could be on your panel shows, could, could be like a, a, the fourth seat on the project could be like, you know, I, I I could have radio shows. I think it's just we just haven't quite wrapped our head around it as a country yet. And the fact that Queen Kong is nominated for a Logie, I think, is in the right step 
for that. So exciting. That is so exciting. Actually, I was just thinking when you were saying shows that they could be on, imagine a queen walking through the door and thank God you're here. Oh, my God. Like, the, you know, the, the, they wouldn't even, they would have all the costumes themselves. Like, I think they're, they're professionally in, industrious and we just don't have that too much in Australia. In the UK, they're a little bit better at it. The UK, they you watch TV and there's quite often queens on panel shows and that type of thing. But, you know, get Art Simone is very funny. Get, like, um, I don't know, plenty of everyone. Like, put them on um, Have You Been Paying Attention and all those types of shows. I love that. I love I'm I'm rallying for that. That is such a brilliant, brilliant idea. And, yes, Art Simone is fabulous. I've had Art Simone on this podcast and she is wonderful. In charge of what she wants to do, and I find that really admirable and quite inspiring. Oh, so inspiring, so inspiring. But this whole concept of drag race as a show and as a culture is also extremely inspiring. It's about living your truth, and that's one thing that I think is needs to be applauded, especially in this country. Living authentically. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're, we're a country still riddled with I, – I, I always find it so strange. Like I think sometimes we don't know what to do with ourselves. Like we're, we're a camp country. Like we are, but we still have this weird underbelly of kind of, I think Australia has this uh, reputation around the world of like, we're just lay back and like, we're whatever. But then you, you do a little bit of scratching on the surf and you're like, Ooh, there is some uh, toxic shit. Go-. Like, I think you kind of see it every time we do, whether it be a plebiscite or, you know, talk with the voice at the moment, like things like that. You just see suddenly people have very wild and strong opinions that you think are potentially misplaced. And I think we feel that way around queer culture sometimes. And shows like Drag Race are really important because it's showing a culture outside of its own space. And that's, I think, the safest way to show, you know, you, maybe you, you're like you you live in the country and your dad's maybe not super comfortable with you being a queer person, but he just loves the songs on Drag Race. It's like a you know it's like a it's a step forward. I think it's like it's really important. Do you ever kind of go when if people say that you're a, a pioneer of of being a queer person in Australia on in media? Do you ever sit there and go, I don't want to be known as that. I just want to be me. Or what what do you think if somebody says that? Well, I mean, I, I would, I would not think of myself as a pioneer. I think I'm very lucky that I get to, you know, I'm getting more and more things are going all right at the moment, and I'm in a public place, and that's nice. I definitely am very careful not to. I never want to like add my voice to something that isn't any of my business. Mm. I, you know what I mean? And I think that's kind of you know, in the same way that a lot of people have a responsibility to have a voice in a situation. I think. Um, often they also have a responsibility to not have a voice in a situation, like, because you just add to a, a kind of cacophony of, and that's how, like, misinformation happens. And that's how, you know, like, thing, I don't know, things like I'm, I'm a non-binary person and I think that gives me space to talk about uh, gender from my own point of view, but I'm never going to, like, come out with some, you know, real strong views and like, and this is what I think about trans people in sport. And like, this is like, because I I have my own views about that and I think they're the correct views and I think they're the views that everyone should have, but it, it, who am I helping to say them? Like, I don't know. It's like, I've used a weird example, but there's just plenty of spaces that feels like I could be put myself into and why would I? Because it's not my, I'm not helping. 
I get that. I completely get that. But then in saying you helping, I mean, are you mentoring these queens that are coming through Drag Race? I mean, this is the third season. Oh, I never speak to them again. I um, no. <laughs> uh, I try to, like, no, I don't think a mentor is definitely a strong word. That is, I think that's another no, because that's not really my play. I, I definitely, in situations like when we're starting because it's it's a it's a culture shift for them i think in a lot of ways where you're suddenly doing a lot of press and on you know you're on the today show and two weeks ago you were performing in a nightclub at 2am and like they but truly like it's a diff, it's a culture shift yeah and i think if anything there's a responsibility from whether it be me to some degree but also queens from seasons in the past and also just people that work in queer media to guide them and cut them a little bit of slack when they're first like, you know, coming bleary eyed into the light Um, because it is hard. And going, going on a reality show is one thing to deal with the aftermath of that is a complete other thing. And I cannot, I cannot imagine it like to, to deal with not necessarily being in charge. And I'm not talking about like blaming it on the editor or anything like that, but to see yourself, up on screen for the first time, often in a viewing party in a loud gay bar. There, there's a lot to take in for that. And suddenly it's you're very famous very quickly. Mm. And I think for the most part, um, I am usually very proud of them because they're kind of I I've I've been a comedian for like 15, 16 years. And so there wasn't really too much like Twitter was around and stuff, but it wasn't no one was going viral in the same way that they are now. And so there was a kind of, you could, you could quietly become famous. And I don't think that's really possible anymore with someone, with people like these Queens. Like you just kind of, you're famous now. And by the way, we need you to act exactly the way that we expect famous to people to act. And with things like Reddit, like I was, I heard Hannah Conda talking about it recently where, you know, she sometimes feels like she, or like, and this is a whole bunch of queens and also just people in the media, you feel like you can't go and get a bit pissed at a bar because someone might take a photo of you and put it on Reddit and be like, look at how trashed this person is and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I'm like, I was like living my life in normal life. I was not in drag. I was not, I don't know. I just find all of, there just must be a lot of them, a lot that they have to deal with. And I don't, I wouldn't call it mentoring, but I think it's like checking on them. It's like when you see them being like, Hey, how's, how's today going? Has been, is to, yeah. And I think talking about Queen Kong earlier, I think she's really good for that. She's kind of the mother of them all. I think that's really interesting what you're saying, because to be honest, I don't think people realize that the reality stars in this country are really the celebrities of this country. Oh, like, yeah, much to the horror. <laughs> horror of some of us. Oh, cool. Another influencer doing a stand up tour. Great. Okay. Um, Great, great. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, but I, I think this particular show, and look, I'm not being shady about like. No, of course you're not. It's true though. It's it's a it's actually fact that that is. It, I work in this industry. I've worked in it for a very long time, and I will tell you now a story about a drama. You know, an a, a TV drama will not do nearly as well. Will not even touch the surface of a reality TV show. Yeah, and it's so interesting. Like, I I tend to the reality shows that I watch tend to be the ones like like Drag Race or you know kind of 
where there's a scope of like, we've gathered together these talented people and we're going to see under these circumstances, which is the most talented. I tend to veer towards that as opposed to like, we've sent a bunch of men and women to an island and we're going to see what happens. Watch that. And I'm not like, I'm trying not to be shady about it. You can be talking about many shows, to be honest. There's a lot of shows on islands at the moment. So that's it. It's just like, yeah, just like dumb bros on the island. Like they just, it's it's like they also get us to a certain point of a show where they're like, we should put them on an island now. It's those types of uh, shows that they don't irritate me, but it's just, I don't watch them and I'm not against them. Like everyone deserves entertainment of their own kind Mm. and whatever. But it's just not useful for, say, as my own selfish complaint, say you want to get your own show made and they're like, but how can we make it into, how can we put it on an island? It's like, oh, I don't know if we can put that on an island. It's, 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 a, it's a comedy drama. Um, I don't know. Like, well, I don't know. We'll work at it. I just think it doesn't help us sometimes. Like, there's no, and I'm talking off topic now, but there's no. I kind of like it. Now, TV culture at the moment for new talent to come through that isn't a reality show. Mm. Like, I'm speaking in terms of like comedy, just for my own benefit, but like there were shows like The Glass House, Spicks and Specs, you know, The Project, a bit more comedy centric, um, The Good News Week, uh, the. There was like a, a like a, a million of shows like that, and there was more stand up on TV, and there was more, and that's kind of how we learned the new TV presenters, and that's kind of how we and people kind of bubbled up that way, and people got TV series and that kind of stuff. Talking about your generation, those types of shows, and now it's like just reality shows and like the project. That's kind of it. Like, I love it. Just those reality like, shows and the project, <laughs> and it's like shade on the project the project i i do the project really often and i i think it's a really important show like to have on yeah but we need more options it's like when barbie was here to do press margot robbie and greta Gerwig were on the project and that's kind of the only place that i saw them on television and it's like i know that backstage i know that room in the channel 10 building it's like (laughs) oh they had to sit in that little room greta Gerwig and and margot robbie sat in that little room and then went out and that's that's the press that they did. All right. So we don't have like a Graham Norton style show. Oh, okay. That would be my dream. Can you do that? I would. Li- yeah. I would like I, my my dream show is me and Joel Creasy hosting uh, a kind of Graham Norton style show, like together. Kind of. We call it. We we wanted to start working together a lot more on TV, and we we started calling ourselves Gamus and Pansy. No. Like, <laughs> Hamish and Andy. I I got it. <laughs> Um, actually, funnily enough, do you know the last podcast full interview I did was with Joel? There you go. And I'm having the living my best. Like we had a supposed to be a 30 minute chat turned to an hour and a half. So yeah, yeah. it's like that. That is every every time I go to his house, it's that. It's like I'm just going to come over for a drink, and then it's like three days later. <laughs> but you know what, though. That is important, though, and to have you both, that would be amazing. That would be amazing to have you on a radio show to do that together. Yeah, yeah. Like, we've always talked about podcast ideas. Like, we've done it. We've, we've recorded before a few, like, little kind of ideas of podcasts and that type of thing. The problem is, like, we, we're, we're so chatty with each other that we'd never stay on topic of things. So we kind of would need someone to, like, 
prod effort. But we do we tour these Christmas shows um, that we've started we started doing last year, and we're going to do another run of them that we're going to like properly announce soon. But these kind of like live we host them and then we have comedians and musicians on and it's just us it's basically we're so we're, we're so busy at the moment it's a nice problem to have but we never see each other so we book in shows that we can hang out on stage and that's our cat which is fabulous for us yes. and then we have a drink after we, we get we don't get to join in the drink i mean we no, love to we'll, we'll, but we'll work out a way to make it. don't worry I love it. I love it. I love it. But speaking of big personalities, I mean, you and Joel have huge personalities, which are fabulous. But on the show on RuPaul's Drag Race, which we've completely forgotten about, uh, <laughs> there are some huge personalities this season. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, yeah. Huge. Yeah, it's like there's very few places that I feel quiet and underdressed and Drag Race is one of them. Like I, yeah, I, there is, there is some kind of big, and I think sometimes we'll see how it settles in. I think sometimes in the first step, it is that way. Like they're all coming in hot, like, because also like they've been sitting in a hotel room for a couple of days without their phones. And like, that's common knowledge. Like people know that. And then they don't see each other before they go in. It's all very real in that way. And so they're coming in the first time they see anyone. I always feel for the first queen to come in like the very first queen, because you just got to like look at a big room and just like touch things. And that's when you really get to the, I think the greatest core of someone is how they would react if they were the first in on drag race. That is the real them, whatever you're seeing by the kind of third minute that they're in there. That's the real person. That is hilarious. And it's so true. And also coming in hot. I mean, very, very, very good point because you're trying to put your best foot forward, aren't you? Like you've got it. And you also, what I've noticed this season, it's almost like they're trying to intimidate each other. It's really, yeah, it's it's a a complicated situation, this one, isn't it? I think that'll like simmer down a little bit. Like, but I think that always happens. And maybe just sometimes we don't notice it as much. But yeah, this season it is a little, it's, it's spicy at first. They're just because I think maybe because what we were talking about earlier of like there's not as many recognizable queens they're trying to they're kind of working each other out a little bit they're kind of eyeing each other off a little oh. bit like, and see like who's the threat who's the threat in here because I think that I can't wrap my head around what it would be like to be in there like in that type of way it's like you know when you watch those like I'm a celebrity get me out of here style shows and sometimes you the first episode is them working out who anyone is it's like <laughs> it's kind of like. It'll be like Carl Barron trying to work out who a TikTok person is. It is great when they do that on Obvious Eleven. They look at each other. They're like, oh, are you a professional? Um, but I think it's the same on Drag Race. Like, I think they are kind of like trying to just score each other off and like trying to put their best foot forward and make themselves kind of macho isn't the right word aggressively not the right word but trying to uh you know it's almost like uh a frill neck lizard like putting up its thing just kind of being like hey don't fuck with me but at the yeah. same time like i'm trying to fuck with you calm down i do yeah. hope it simmers down a little bit because usually I, I think for me watching the show i love the camaraderie be- between everybody yeah. and i feel like in the first episode in particular it just it didn't feel as supportive as usual 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Watch this stuff. I was trying to cover that up, but it just it turns out it's like the most toxic. Like <laughs> it's like, yeah, and everyone um really hates each other by the end of it, actually. Yeah, it's a pretty um pretty toxic season in the end. Ah well, bye. And that's a wrap. <laughs> no, it is. It's it's just it it was really kind of interesting to watch. I was like, I don't know if I like you guys. No, I'm definitely gonna know. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. I definitely. Yeah, of course, because you just want to, you want to, you know, as they say in America, you want to root for somebody, you know. Is it Gabrielle? Who is the quirky one? I've just completely had a mind blank. Gabrielle Labucci. Oh. All right. What a soul. Because I think she's got that great thing, and there's a few queens in there this year that are quite shocked to be there. And I think that is a really great, no, but truly like a great strength to have in the show. Like, to not take it for granted that you're definitely going to be in there. Like there's certain queens that come in in all the franchises that come in and you see them kind of be like, well, I'm finally here. Like that kind of like you, you, you're not going to even understand how good this is going to be. And then there's people like Gabby who I think kind of come in a little bit like, wow. Like it's kind of how I, I really relate to it because it's how I was in my first season on the show where I was just like, well, bloody look at this. This is wild. I can't believe this, that I'm on the show. This is bonkers. Um, And that is like a nice way, that's a nice energy to have, I think, because you're not, it doesn't feel like you're risking at all. And I think that can sometimes really work out for people. I love that. You're just like really happy to be there. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you be? You're on fucking drag race. Yeah, of course. Being like furious about being there or being like, and that's what I think I was saying earlier. Like it, it should be treated as a leap, like as a, a launching off point. Yeah, and it's built it too much up in their heads. I think that get there and really stress out and freak out about it. But it's like, no, you should be treating this as like, like use all the tools in your toolbox and and like use this as an exciting thing to do. This shouldn't be. It should be daunting, but it shouldn't be terrifying. There are a lot of terrified queens in this season, and I think that is, to your point, that they're they're quite brand new. And I loved what you said at the beginning about the growth because I think that, like, I know that if I watch the first episode and then compared to the last, the growth of these people inside and out is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't be near RuPaul and not in some way. Like we all know, like the old cliche is like, you know, the kind of when he goes on his kind of what what I would call his monologues, like, but but those kind of like those moments where he's and they're all off the dome and they're all very real and happen in the minute and there's never any kind of warning about it. Like there's times that like it happens and you're I'll be sitting there and like it's like I'm coming to terms with things. <laughs> like and so I think you can't kind of be within the sphere of RuPaul and not at some point be like cha- have your mind changed about some part of yourself. And I think that just happens with the girls sometimes. What a wonderful thing to be able to have someone in the room who is truly a pioneer. Yeah. Having someone like that who is a pioneer for those people who like who look up to her. Like that's pretty and Michelle Visage as well. Yeah. I think Michelle is like the kind of sleeper cell in that situation sometimes where she is from like, she's from the ballroom scene. She's come through like, you know, we all talk about allies and that type of thing, but she's a, not just an ally, but like a full blown, and these are my words, but like a full blown fag hag from like the late seventies. And that's like a, that's a real thing. 
like to be that that's like a real accomplishment and i i think she's always got such incredible advice because she similar to rue has done everything and and is kind of having this amazing decade and hopefully more in the sun and yeah i kind of i learned a lot i learned a lot from them like just in terms of just work ethic like they just work all of them like michelle's got a radio show in the uk and she's you know working on stuff with leah remini and she's working on stuff with water wonder and she's making a million drag races and she's like also like got two kids and her husband and she's putting them through college and like it's just all that but it's like about a work ethic and it's like she's really easy to work with and she's not she knows everyone on sets names and and ruth the same like just that type of stuff like it's not hard to be nice and i think she has this kind of reputation of being kind of like a diva and quite the opposite and funny and like just loves work that's a very american work ethic though but you're a very hard worker also i am really curious now you said that you learned so much from them but what did you learn about yourself having started on this show um drag is pain no um the what have i learned about myself i think this is gonna be hokey but like you know in no even like five years ago four years ago i never would have imagined it would be possible for me to be on a show like that and be in that kind of realm of things and it's like led to a lot of great stuff and um you know i I get a lot of great work in the uk because of it and it's i don't know i guess it's just trust trusting that and like and relying a little bit on on luck and and that there's something that's right for you i don't know i stay it's not like I, i'm not an old person so i wasn't being completely disillusioned by but i had no plan of what i was going to do in my career i was just like well i'll just keep doing stand-up i guess and one day that'll be all right and that that's not to say i've had incredible you know i got a special on netflix and i've been on conan and things like that but it it's this job has given me a bit of a a leg up and has kind of taught me a bit more about the industry and gotten me into a different space of the industry that was quite nice. And it's so well-deserved because I have to tell you, I saw you open for Jack Whitehall a few years oh, ago. Yeah. And I goosebumps. That's so weird. I just got the weirdest goosebumps. Um, but you were so phenomenal. You were you had the entire room in stitches for were you there 15 minutes? I don't even remember. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That was wild. Like he was someone that really it's not like, you know, I didn't like I learned a lot from Jack, but like we hung out. I was I did, I think five dates for that tour. And just seeing that life was really wild. Like he lives like a it's like seeing a, a comedian in the situation of a rock star. Like it's all very calm and like just like, you know, a, a tea or a coffee backstage. But then you're going out to perform to like 10,000 people. And then like we walk off stage as soon as he was done, we'd run down the and get into a van and drive out to so people couldn't get to him. And it's just like an interesting life to live. That was like a, a wild. I got to like a little insight into it. I actually got to interview him and so not what I thought it would be like, because you know how when you present, like, I think when you're a, a creative mind and you would probably know this too, like you're one thing on stage and not necessarily. Yeah. The other and that was what i found with him was that he was actually so low-key and i was like this is not what i expected yeah and he's quite um he's quite dishy i find him quite like <laughs> he's yeah. so dishy yeah there's a kind of there's a hugh grant about him because mm. he's not like masculine hot he's like uh, you know what I'm, no, i know exactly what you say something about him 
he's rich, you know, and that's <laughs> that's exactly it. It's the it's the wealth, isn't it? Isn't he having a baby now? It's so wild. It's, you know, we're all disappointed. No, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'm really curious to know. Then, is there one moment in your career where you think I've made it? I mean, no, and I think. Like, you know, there's definitely moments where I think I'm making it, like as in it's working, but I don't think, I don't think I ever want to be like, and I'm, because I think if like I've made it means like I'm done. Like, it, or, you know, it feels like the kind of, it's on the trajectory to I'm done. And I don't, you know, I'm only 33. I don't want to like, feel like, because I think as soon as people start to be like, you know, slowing down or something, you, you know, you, I, I, I in, on some level I need to slow down a little bit. It's just for the sake of my, <laughs> if, if I don't slow down too much, it'll be detrimental to the important relationships in my life. Um, but like thing, I don't know, like being on Conan and like getting a Netflix special and that type of stuff. Like I won, do you know what was really important to me? I won an award last year, like at the Melbourne comedy festival. And it was like the, it was for most outstanding show and that's sort of thing that like, it was a little bit of a, what do I do now type of moment? Because when I was an open micer, I used to see people win that and be like, wow, what would it be like to win? And it's a very industry award. Like not many people know about it, like outside of it, but it it was like, it's voted on by like, there's a panel of kind of your peers and and important people from the industry. And it just was really like, oh, this is all, not all I've ever wanted, but like, this was a huge milestone for me. And like, what do I do now? <laughs> Um, and so I think that was like a bit of a moment, but no, I try not to, I'm trying at the moment to not take things for granted a little bit and just kind of keep moving. That makes sense. It must feel like a whirlwind though, because it's like, you're so busy, you're so busy and so much great things. My partner's pretty good at like, you know, I'm pretty stubborn enough to make me say no to things if I don't need to do them. And yeah, it's like, I'm the right amount of busy. I think I wouldn't mind a holiday. Sure. But I think it's like that, it's that thing. And this is not a complaint because I'm very lucky. And I know, mm-hmm. like, I think everyone in media or entertainment or any kind of, you know, any kind of freelance things knows that we all have, it's so luck based. Like, we all have a friend who is far more talented than us that is not getting the same work as us. But we also know people that are not as talented as us that are getting more work. So, you know, it, it evens out. Um, but the, I think it's like, I try not to, I just try and enjoy what's going on at the moment and not, and not, but yeah, saying no to things is kind of a a privilege. I think that you have to earn a little bit. The way that you say, and I, the way that you say that it's sheer luck or, you know, a lot of it is luck. It, it kind of from the outside looking in, it's, it's actually for me, it's talent. Oh, thanks. And the end. No, the, (laughs) like, I'd be, I'm someone I like. Like being ready for things. So like by the time I got the drag race, say something like the drag race job, I was ready to get that job because I'd done studio shows before and I'd worked hard on being funny off the cuff and that type of thing. So I'm, by the time I get that job, I'm ready for it. But that means I've done plenty of jobs that I was not ready for. And that's not like, uh, there's, there's plenty of me on panel shows like 10 years ago. Look at that little person drown. Um, And, but it's like, yeah, it's about building up, a little set of skills and so by the time you get an opportunity by the time you get lucky to get that opportunity you can hopefully do well at it what is one piece of advice that you have 
for your younger self, knowing what you know now? Eat something. Um, I I was too skinny. Um, I mean, there's not. This is such a hokey fucking answer, but there's not too much. You know, there's a whole kind of like, hey, you'll be fine, buddy. But I was also very lucky that like, I have very supportive parents, very supportive family that you know my queerness was never an issue. And I've, I'm like, it's really a one in a million experience. Um, I mean, advice wise, I'm kind of. I've had a nice time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like I'm not, there's definitely shitty things that have happened, but they're like part of it. Like I would never tell myself like, Hey, you would turn left when you should have turned right. Because I think that has kind of led me to being in a kind of happy place now. Like, yeah, totally. I had some like, and this is too grim to go into, but like, I don't, you know, if I, but you know, I had some eating disorder stuff early in, in my twenties and my late teens that I'd be like, Hey, you're fine. Like, don't, like, I think if anything, I'd kind of shake myself a little bit and like, you, you need to worry about this stuff less because you're, you're fine. But like, other than that, I've had a pretty dreamy, like, I, I truly have. I'm very lucky. I've had like a not, I've not had too much kind of horror in my life. So maybe we'll see in a year, maybe something terrible will happen this year. That's not why I asked that question. <laughs> running out of things to say in my stand up. And so, you know something you need trauma to make fun of traumatic would be really useful thank you for sharing that though that's that's a huge thing to you know to to understand that that's something that you you know you went through but it makes us human doesn't it It makes you human yeah every mistake is what what led us here absolutely yeah i do just really quickly want to tell you the top three google searches that people search about you please okay so if i give you a google search can you just give me a one sentence for each of them. Yeah. Number one, where is Reese Nicholson from? <laughs> um, I'm from Newcastle, Australia. It's a lovely place to live, but I don't recommend it for 19 years. Um, uh, 19 years between the years of uh, 1990 to um, 2009. That's a long time. It's a special time to live there. Um, it's lovely now. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Lovely beaches. Go check it out. There's a place called Chef Something. Chef Something. Chefs. There's a really cool little place called Chef Something. Chef. No. Chef. Chef Beat. Chef. Wait, there's a place called the Bogey. No, it's like the Chef's Kiss or something. I'm making that up. That is not a place. The Cook's Place. Anyway, it's a suburb. It's beautiful. I don't know where it is. Sorry, Newcastle. Yeah. Cook's Hill. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Cook's Hill. Yeah, look, Cook's Hill. Lovely. Chef's Big Kiss. Chef's Kiss. Yeah, just like. Yeah. Chef's Bump. Cook's Hill. This one made me laugh. The second yeah. most Googled is what is Reese Nicholson famous for? Yeah, that's a real, that's a real big one, especially when I got Drag Race. Oh, boy. Like, they announced me as the permanent judge of Drag Race Dead Under and just a lot of people going, who is this? And it's like, yeah, mate, this is how fame works. You don't know who someone is. And then they do something that makes them famous. That's how this is. That's what's happening right now wild well i love that we know who you are now and my final the final google search is where can i watch reese nicholson only fans no imagine um the yeah that's nice i mean netflix you can see my netflix you can see me on stan on the stan original series rupaul's drag race down under season three out now um can you tell i have to say that a lot um the yeah that's a nice thing it's nice to the the people want to watch me i think that's a very strange 
Like they don't want to know where I am. They don't want to know what I'm doing. They just want to watch me do something. And that's nice. That's, that's dreamy. Well, you are so talented. You are so funny and you're an absolute joy. Thank you so much for coming and chatting to me today. I know you've had such a busy day. Oh, it's all right. Thanks for making time for me. This was a lovely chat. This is very nice. Thanks for calling the Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle. You can find us on Instagram at the entertainment underscore hotline pod or visit us at chatter.com.au. The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud Chatter podcast. 